we've been talking about the kingdom, kingdom purpose, and God's given us grace to stick with this all year and uh, going through uh, different parts of, of kingdom living. <clears throat> we started out last first of last year with uh, kingdom entrance, how to enter the kingdom of God, and then we uh, moved to uh, uh, emotionally whole, mentally whole, emotionally whole, physically whole, and um, financial flow, and just been talking about just living in the kingdom of God. If we can't apply what the Word says, then it's not doing us any good. If we're not, we're, if we're not experiencing what the Word tells us that we can have as the king, in the kingdom of God, it's not doing us any good. And each one of us supplies. The Bible says that we're fitly joined together and uh, that every part supplies Every part has a, a piece to play. We all have strength, we all have gifts, and we all have abilities, and, and every one of us have the ability to lift somebody else at any time. And so we have to use those gifts, and we have to participate in the kingdom of God. And understanding that we have purpose is one thing that, that we've got to stay focused on. In a lot of ways, I, I think the, the church... Uh, especially through the 80s, it seems like we just lost our focus. We, we lost where we was going, what we are supposed to be doing. And um, then we began to have some, some uh, great outpourings of the Holy Spirit, kind of started bringing us back, getting us refocused on, on what we are supposed to be doing. We have a mission in this earth that is greater than just church attendance. Thank God for church attendance. I'm so thankful that y'all show up. And I think everybody ought to more because we need each other in the kingdom of God. We, we strengthen one another. We celebrate. Amen. I, I like for our Sunday services, I like for them to be like an oasis where you can come in, step into the presence of God, Re get relief from all the pressures and problems. Last thing I want to do is add more pressure and problems to your, to your week by you coming to church. Amen. I want you to receive, I want you to be blessed, and I want you to, to be able to move forward with God and receive what he's, what he's uh, given us. But the only way we can receive that a lot of times is by allowing others to put into our lives to speak in our lives because God works through people. He chose to do that. Amen. I have a, I've, all, I've had a very close relationship with Holy Spirit from the, from an early age. He's been my teacher. He's been my counselor. He's my educator. He's my comforter. He's, he's everything to me. And I've always had a very close relationship, walked very closely with him because I had, I, I was desperate. I needed, I needed somebody that could really uh, give me the abilities that, you know, I never had any training as a pastor. I never had any training as in ministry and things like that. So I came up, you know, in hard knocks. I've got so many knots in my head, you couldn't count them from uh, just having to, you know, try things out and figure, figure my way. Holy Spirit is a, is a close friend, and yet a lot of times he chooses, instead of to speak, speaking to me directly, 
he chooses to speak through somebody else to me. You understand what I'm talking about? And so we have to have that relationship. We have to have that purpose in the kingdom of God that we are not here just to do a religious service or, or you know, to be, um, you know, some type of uh, organization. Or We're here to empower the body of Christ. We're all connected. You know, yesterday I got up yesterday morning and saw that uh, Reinhard Bonnke had passed away. And, you know, I've, I've met the man one time, that's all, but I've been connected to him for years because of a vision God gave me several years ago in my early 20s. I saw oceans of dark-skinned people all over the world coming to God. And I started seeing pictures of his ministry and his, his uh, campaigns in, in Africa and it was like, that, that's it. I see, I, I've seen that. And I knew that God was working, and I knew that what he had told me was true because I began, I began to see it. And through Brother Monkey's ministry, there's been over 50 million people born again just in the last 10 years. In the last 10 years. There was one meeting where there was over 3 million cards filled out of people that, that uh, gave their life to Jesus Christ in one meeting. I can't even fathom it. I mean, you look, Brother Bonke said, it got to where I could see the curvature of the earth on the crowd. Miles and miles and miles. I mean, as far as you could see, there was people. That's, that's an act of God. Moving on desperate people. When I heard that, I've had a picture of Brother Bonke's ministry on my wall for years because it was a sign to me. It was an encouragement to me. I heard yesterday morning that he had passed away. We don't, we don't understand the connection that we have. And I told Betty and I told Sister Val, I said, I don't know what happened. Because I went around crying all day yesterday, and I'm not an emotional person. It was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. You know, normally I'm, you know, I feel things, but I don't feel like most people do. But yesterday, I'd be trying to study. Next thing I know, I was, I was wiping tears out of my eyes. It's like, and I would say, God, what is going on? What is wrong with me? And I'd come in here to pray, and I'd be praying for the service. Next thing you know, I was just, I was just boo -hoo, well, it was boo hooing for me. I actually, my eyes actually got wet. You know, to me, that's boo hooing. I mean, I'm having an emotional experience, and, you know, my eyes are just kind of wet. But, uh, I, could, I kept saying, why is this bothering me? What? You know, it, it was like I'd lost a close family member. And it was like that all day long. And I kept, I kept saying, God, I don't understand. We don't understand the connection. We are all so connected in the body of Christ. And if we would learn to accept that connection instead of resist that connection, then we would, we would be a lot better off. You know, here in America, we've got our personal space, and I, I appreciate personal space. I'm a, I'm a personal space kind of guy. You know, I get claustrophobic if people get too close to me and start pressing in, and you know, and but when I go to Africa and places like that and minister, there's no such thing as personal space. They will sit on your lap in a van just to get in the van. I mean, they just pile on top of you. There is no personal space. 
And somehow, I'm totally at peace in situations like that. I've asked God, I said, why, why is it that I can handle it there, but I can't handle it in America, you know? I get, a, I get in an elevator with too many people in that elevator, and I start doing it. You know, the walls start closing in on me. I start wanting to throw people out when the door opens, you know? Okay, you all need to get out of here. But that connection, understanding the connection in the kingdom of God is one of the things that, that the American church needs to be educated on again and we need to open our hearts to is the fact that we are connected and we got to get over the fact that I want to isolate myself. We are so isolated in this country that we suffer because of our isolation. Did you know that most depression is caused because of isolation? If you're around people all the time and they're, you're feeding into each other, your brain will be happier as long as it's not negative complaining stuff, you know, you don't, that, that's, yeah, I don't want that. And I think that's one of the reasons people isolate themselves anymore, such a complaining culture in this country. Everybody complains about everything. We are, we are so blessed in this country, and yet we're the most complaining people there, there ever has been. Amen. I mean complain. 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 Amen. Y'all got them nice, comfortable cars with air-conditioned heating, power steering, power windows, cruise control, and all that kind of stuff. And yet, and yet when people get in the car, they start getting angry because they have to put the brake on and turn the cruise control off because somebody pulled in in front of them. And I had, I had to touch my brake. How dare you make me touch my brake? You're interrupting my flow. We, we, are, we are a irritable, complaining society, and we've got to change that as a church. We've, I've, like I preach here all back, a culture of gratitude. And when, you don't realize how much that has a hold of you until you start practicing gratitude, until you start catching yourself every time you complain about something. Amen. Yeah, Y'all thought I forgot about that message, didn't you? Hey, Pastor, don't, don't get back on that. We, we barely survived the Sunday you preached on it. <laughs> it can be rough, can it? I, wanna, I want us to uh, look a little more into kingdom purpose today. How many believe you have a purpose? How many believe the kingdom of God has a purpose? Amen. We all have a purpose. Every joint supplieth. Amen. We got to start embracing each other in that kingdom. You know, uh, Brother Bonke had... Tremendous miracles in his ministry. Amazing miracles uh, took place in his ministry. And, and yet, uh, most of his life, he wore glasses. And people would discount everything about his life and the miracles in his ministry because he wore glasses. We are, we are such a picky people that we pick each other apart until we can find a fault and once we find a fault in somebody we discredit everything about their life brother david hogan i mean this guy is insane with the presence of god he'll do anything He's seen more people raised from the dead than most of us could ever hope. And, and miracles take place in his life all the time. But he wears these real thick glasses. And people 
people criticize him because of that. I got to tell you something. God never picks perfect people. And just because you operate in the Word of God and the power of God doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Matter of fact, I believe God leaves a few flaws in us just to keep us grounded. Amen. So we don't get so arrogant about ourselves. You know? Praise God. I'm sure Brother Hogan like to get rid of them glasses. But that has not stopped him from doing what God called him to do. He still lays hand on sick and they recover. He still raises the dead. He still sees miracles. He still sees the lepers uh, healed and cleansed. We've got to stop picking at things and picking things apart and disqualifying because we find some pet peeve of ours in somebody and we don't like it and so we don't want anything to do with them. As if we're some kind of perfect individual. What it is, is we have so much condemnation in our heart toward ourselves, we, like, we, we have to find fault in everybody else so we feel justified. All right. That went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> Ooh, I got to pull you down on my level. <laughs> Oh, I'm getting off that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Read this with me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Say it one more time. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In order to understand what the will of God is, everybody's saying, I don't, you know, I need to know the will of God. Well, the Bible clarifies a lot of what, what the will of God is. And a lot of times, we, all we have to do is start looking at the commissionings of God to see what his will is, what he has commissioned the church to do, what he's commissioned people to do. All right, say this with me. I haven't given this to them yet. I keep forgetting. But uh, repeat this with me. I purpose to live my life. So that the kingdom of God is made manifest and obvious in me, in my home, in my church, in my city, in my country, in this world. Amen. That's the way it happens is through each one of us it begins to be made manifest and obvious. Praise God. That's one of the reasons we need one another. Amen. If, if, if we were perfect and not needed each other, that was, you know, that, well, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> all of us are going to have shortcomings. All of us are going to have things we can't do. One of the downfalls of people that start walking in the anointing of God is they start feeling like they have to be everything and have everything, and they can't ask for help from nobody because they are the anointed one. And that is the biggest sham and, and disappointment there is because I don't walk in everything, but there's somebody around me that walks in what I'm needing today. So if I can connect to them and, and receive from them, then I have have received fullness in my life and then when they need what I got I can give to them this thing of I've got to be I've got to be all things is ridiculous amen 
We've got to learn to receive the gifts of those that are around us. As a, as a pastor for 40-some years, I know exactly how that is. I mean, for years, I wouldn't let anybody even know when I was sick hardly. I mean, because, you know, that was like I, I'd failed somehow. I, was, I had weak faith. I couldn't, well, you know, then I finally realized, hey, I just need to grab hold of somebody with some faith and have them pray for me. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. All right. I'm going to get off that. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God said, then God blessed them and, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over everything that moves on the earth. Now, this is the will of God. How many understand that when God gives commission, he is declaring his will? And so he told Adam and Eve that you need to subdue the earth. But then in Genesis uh, chapter uh, 3 and verses 17 through 19, we see that they fell. They ate of the wrong tree. They, they disobeyed God. And because of that, God said, Adam, because you've done this, the earth is cursed. Then Adam said, then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake, in toil you shall eat of, all, eat of it all the days of your life. So we have the co commandment to Adam and Eve, you need to subdue the earth. And then in chapter 3, because they sin, God said, the earth is a curse to you, and it is going to be your adversary. It's going to, you're going to have to work to get food from it. You're going to have to toil. In the sweat of your brow, you'll eat. It's going to produce thorns and, and briars. And, and in other words, nature is now going to be your adversary. I told you to subdue it, and now you have lost your authority, and so that which you were supposed to subdue will now be your adversary. And so we have battled nature ever since then. Nature has been our adversary. Whether it's the earth, natural disasters, diseases, you know, all the things that come from the changing of seasons. You know, we've been, every year about this time, we start battling the flu season. I don't understand that. I don't know. I, it's like, okay, who releases this stuff? Let's go get them. Where does it come from? I believe it just comes from nature because nature is our adversary and our bodies have to adjust to it and our bodies have to fight off. It's an enemy and it comes comes against us and begins to have an effect on our earthly bodies. So hardship, toil, sickness, disease, natural disasters, and, and we fight that all the time. Hurricanes, tornadoes, you know, those are not acts of God. That is not God sending those things. But it is an act of God to stop them. Amen. Now, that's an act of God. We've had, there, there's been testimonies, and we've seen it. One, during the uh, Pensacola revival, 
uh, down in, in Pensacola, the, a hurricane was moving in in that revival, and they began to pray and command it to stop and turn. And the weather was saying it was going to hit right in, I mean, come right across there. And it got close, and then it stopped, turned, and went up the shore and went around that, that place. I mean, you see it on the weather. You see it change its course and go around. Why? Because we have authority that has been given to us. Adam and Eve lost it, but then there was somebody that showed up. His name was Jesus Christ. And in the book of Luke, chapter 3, chapter 4, we see that there's a commissioning that comes upon Jesus, and he begins to talk about what he's commissioned uh, to do. And so we, when we look at Jesus, we see him as the second Adam, the last Adam. He come to heal what was broken. He come to repair. He come to change. And Jesus began to move in, in what we call the anointing, the commissioning, the appointment. And when he came and began to move in that appointment, he went to the desert. He was filled with the Spirit, went to the desert. When he came back, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it says this, Jesus got out the, the, the book of Isaiah and read it in church. And uh, <coughs> they, they tried to throw him over a hill for, for it. But doing God's will don't always get applause. Amen. One thing people need to understand, applause is not a guarantee in the kingdom of God. You're not always going to be patted on the back. A lot of times you're going to be considered the problem instead of the answer. But when you're doing God's will, you have to understand, people say, well, I know it was God's will because everything worked just right. If that's your theology, you're going to have problems. Because sometimes when it's God's will, everything goes wrong. But you have to know you have a word from God, and you know that you're going to stick with that word, and you're going to push through it because this is what God said is going to happen, and we stand strong on that. And then the answer comes. Amen. I put a post on Facebook yesterday. I said, if, the, if you have no bruises from the battle, your trophies are, are meaningless. That's why Christians today have this attitude that, well, if I, if I serve God, he's supposed to make everything go just right for me. Not supposed to have any discomfort. I got to tell you something. You're going to have discomfort. There's going to be times that you have to wrestle in prayer, and it's very uncomfortable. There's times you're going to have to fight against the adversary to the point that you feel like you're exhausted and can't go any further, but it doesn't mean it's not God. It means that you are in a battle, and you have to, you have to walk and submit yourself to God, and you've got to fight against this thing, and there's times that you're going to get punched. There's times you're going to get face-planted. There's times that it's going to hurt, but that doesn't mean that God has forsaken you. It means that you are in a fight, and the fight is worth it, and it's worth the victory. Just keep fighting. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop. Keep moving. Today, I think if Jesus told some of us to step out of the boat, we think that God should have one of those little 
floating islands for us with a, with a nice comfortable chair with a cup holder and snacks and an umbrella over us and then we'll get out of the boat and we'll, have, we'll take selfies because we stepped out of the boat. Stepping out of the boat with Jesus. Like an amusement park or something. We think this is some kind of amusement ride. I'm going to step out of the boat with Jesus. <laughs> you step out of the boat with Jesus, a lot of times the first thing going to happen, some wave's going to slap you upside the head, and you're going to feel the wind blowing on you to the point that you can't already stand up, and there's only one thing out there that is important, and that is Jesus is out there on the water, and you're going to him. None of the rest of it matters. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To be anointed means to be commissioned, to, begin, to be given the authority to do so. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to sit at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus begins to talk about the commissioning and so he's declaring this is God's will. This is God's will. This is what we're supposed to be doing. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sends the disciples out, and he told them, he said, go and preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, freely you have received, freely give. When Jesus said that, he was saying, this is my will. This is what you are commissioned, this is what you have freedom to do. Amen. So the anointing that began to work in Jesus' life, he demonstrated. The Bible says that he, he came to show us the Father. In other words, he came to show us the character and the acts of God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, if you want to know how God acts, watch me. I have come to be a, a, a reflection in the earth of my heavenly Father. He said, so if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God's like, read the Gospels. You'll see what God's like. Amen. When, when, when I mean, it was God's own law that they grabbed this woman caught in the very act of adultery. Somehow the guy that was with her wasn't committing adultery. I don't know how that happens. But anyway, they found it, caught this woman in the very act of adultery. 
Now, under the law of Moses, she was to be stoned. Now, God in the flesh was standing on the earth, and they bring this woman to God in the flesh, throw her down in front of him, and says, the law of Moses says she is to be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus just knelt down and started writing on the ground. Now, nobody knows what he wrote. There's been a lot of speculation on what he wrote. I don't know what he wrote. And then he stood back up. And he said, that's right. That's what the law says. And this is how we're going to do it. Any one of you that is without sin, cast the first stone. You want to know what God's like? Watch what Jesus did. He wasn't there to punish. He was there to restore. He was there to heal. He was there to raise up. He was there to forgive. And when we see the image of Jesus, we see the character of the Father, and Jesus begins to show us the will of God. As he walked the earth, everybody that came to him that was sick was healed. Everybody. Even the ones that came in controversial situations. You know, the woman came to him. He was sitting there with some big dogs, whatever that is. And this woman that wasn't a Jew, and back then, you know, there was a difference between Jews and Gentiles. I would have been an outcast in that day. But thank God I've been brought into the family. This woman come in fell down and said, my daughter is vexed of the devil and asked Jesus to heal her. And Jesus made a statement according to the law. It's not meat to give the children's bread to dogs. Now, as all of you know, a lot of times there's outside dogs and there's inside dogs. Now, Jesus said it's not, it's not right for me to give the children's bread to dogs. And this lady switched it on him and said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. What she was saying, she said, I might be a dog, but I'm under your table. I'm an inside dog. I'm in the house. I'm not in the outer courts. I'm in your house. I'm under your table, and I 
am just wanting the crumbs. In other words, she says, I might, you might be, don't think I belong, but I am coming to you with faith, and I believe you can do this. And that moved Jesus to the point that she said, man, you can have your faith has made your daughter well. Go, she's healed. She received something from God that wasn't lawful under the law of Moses in that time. Why? Because she went past Moses. She went back to Abraham, the father, and she went back to faith. And when she moved into faith, Jesus couldn't turn her down. Because he can't deny that. He can't say no to that. Oh, come on, somebody. God wants us to know his will. His will. God, is it your will for me to do this? If he said it was in the Bible, yes. Now, a lot of us are wanting day-to-day will. God, is it your will for me to do this? Lord, is it your will for me to do this? Now, there's a way to fix that, and that's to get in this personal relationship with God (laughs) where the Holy Spirit is your best friend, and you're not out here wandering around in the wilderness trying to figure out which way to turn, but you are right there. He is right there with you. You're walking with him, and there is no difference. You know the will of God because you're constantly communing with him. It's when we just go for visits that we have trouble finding the will of God. When we've been doing our own thing, And then all of a sudden want to know the will of God. Well, our heart's closed off. Our mind's closed off. We don't really have a good, we have suspicions about God that he might not really want to do good things for us because we haven't been connected to him. So we don't know his character. And so we have this suspicion and we're kind of irritated at him. We know he's going to say no and we're already mad before we ask. But that's a lack of relationship because you're, when you're walking in close relationship and Holy Spirit is your best friend, you don't have to wonder what's going on because he talks. He talks to you. Sometimes we don't listen. I'm always challenging myself to listen better, to hear better. Because I know Holy Spirit is always talking to me about situations, and if I could just hear. I've been praying lately for quite a while now. I've been saying, Lord, I I need to hear you better. I want to hear you like Ananias heard you when you talked to him about Saul. That's how clear I want a conversation with God. I want to be able to hear God say, I want you to go down to this certain address. And there's a guy there by the name of Saul. And and, and I said, whoa, 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 you you realize he's been killing people that preach the gospel. And Jesus said, yeah, but he's a brother now. Go on. 
and Ananias heard clearly, went down, found him, walked in, and, and said, Brother Saul, and immediately his blindness left, and he was filled with the Spirit. That's how I want to hear God. Amen. I want to really freak everybody out. Everybody, people tell me, tell me that I freak them out, you know, and I, I, I just get a little bit. I'm just scratching the surface. I want to hear what God's saying in detail, in detail. I've got that a few times. Detail. Amen. I've heard that. I like that. I don't like just giving generalities. I like it when God speaks very specifically. Amen. I woke up one morning, Holy Spirit, as soon as my eyes opened, Holy Spirit talked to me about a pastor, about what was going to happen that day and how he needed to handle it. And I called him up on the phone. I said, hey, brother, I said, you know, I'm not trying to mess with you. I, I'm, and, you know, if, if you'll give me permission to speak in your life, I'll do that. But if, if not, then, then great. And he said, no, go ahead and tell me. I said, I said well, this is what's going to happen today. And I told him what was going to happen. I told him what time it was going to happen. And, and I told him how he was to respond. And if you'll respond in this way, it, it'll, it'll defuse the whole situation and turn this situation around. And I gave him every, the details of how to do that. Holy Spirit gave me details. And later that night, he calls me back up on the phone. He said, hey. I said, what happened? He said, it happened just like you told me. Everything. I said, what'd you do? He said, I did what you told me. I said, what happened? He said, it just all went away. Just defused it. That's my father. That's how much Holy Spirit cares. Amen. I like that. I like that. The problem is, after I talk to somebody like that, then they don't want to be around me. They avoid me. In public, they act like they don't really, aren't really associated with me. It was a little freaky. Somebody, somebody knew something going on in my life, you know. But that's all right. Amen. I'd rather, I'd rather freak people out and know the word, what God's saying than be a dummy and not know anything. Amen. Come on, somebody. I want to hear I want to know, and if we're walking close with God, we will have the insight into what's going on. You won't have to say, God, what is your will, because he's already talking about it. He's already speaking about it. And a lot of times we start asking him something, and he doesn't speak. And the reason is, is because he's already answered that question, and you need to go back to the last word that you received. A lot of us are saying, God, what do you want me to do about it? What, what should I do? What should and God's already told us that. He's given us the instruction. We just got to go back to that and be faithful to that word until we receive something else. Amen. God, what am I supposed to do? He's talking today. He's walking right there with you. You know, if Holy, if, if, Holy, if you find yourself in a situation where there's a need, you don't have to stop and say, Holy Spirit, do you really want me to do this? 
Now that's why you're there. Amen. A lot of people say, why do I have to get these situations? God needed a representative to be there. Don't shout me down on that one. We want to avoid stuff like that. Well, sometimes God puts you right in the big middle of it. Amen. Next thing you know, you're right there in it. Amen. I went to a church supposed to hold a revival back several years ago in the early 20s. I went, I went to the church, hold a revival. The first night I preached, and man, it was hard. It was, I mean, I, I, it, it was like the atmosphere was concrete, and I couldn't get through it. And we were, we were staying in an in a apartment in the back of the church. And we left after the service, went back to the apartment. I realized I forgot my Bible in the auditorium. And I walked back up there, and I heard a bunch of yelling going on. I mean yelling, fighting. I walked back into the auditorium, and man, there was people there with the pastor, and they was yelling at him, and I mean, they were just in a knockdown drag out with words, and I walked in the middle of that. I just stood there looking around, and in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, that's why. And the pastor looked at me and said, Brother Snyder, you're in the middle of this whether you want to be or not. That's all I needed. <laughs> all of a sudden, the atmosphere was mine. And we went to task about their attitudes. And I mean, I mean, nobody else said a word. I done some chewing that night. I chewed on some people, and I got them, I got them into a place of realizing that they are out of God's will. This is not what God does. God, the uh, the devil does is the one that causes confusion and division. God does not cause confusion and division. And we had we had a come to Jesus meeting that night. I didn't like being in the middle of that, but God needed somebody there, like me. Amen. People like me are necessary sometimes. I tell Betty that all the time. I, I'll say, honey, I, I know, but I'm necessary sometimes. Sometimes you need somebody that, that shoots straight. Amen. So the will of God, what is the will of God? God, what is your will for me? Well, look what it says in the Word of God. What are the commissionings in the Word of God? In 1 John uh, 3 and 8, It says, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Now, I like this. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might destroy, what is the commissioning on the body of Christ? Destroy the works of the devil. That's God's will for the church. That don't mean we, we get up arms and go out and start shooting people that don't agree with us. It means we destroy the works of the devil by taking people out of the hands of the enemy and bringing them into the kingdom of God. We destroy the works of the devil in people's lives by bringing truth in their lives and the power of God and setting them free. We destroy the work for this purpose. He was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. 
Amen. To go out into the highways and the byways, compel them to come in. Praise God. That's that's the work of the church. We are not we are, we are not you know this utopian club that sits up on the hill with with the elite members. That's what most churches have become. We are the people that go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. We we go out to the people. I like what Matt, one man said. Listen to this, Shane. One man said, a minister said, if you will go after the people that nobody wants, God will send into your house the people that everybody wants. I like that. In other words, God will send the provision if you'll just do the work. Oh, hallelujah. What is the will of God? What is the purpose? Is there purpose in the kingdom of God? Do we have purpose? Jesus, Jesus has come and showed us that there, he has authority in, in heaven and earth. Matter of fact, in, in Matthew, I, I didn't give this to you, in Matthew uh, chapter 28, um, verses 18 through, thir- through 20, it says, all authority has been given to me all authority has been given to me. All authority. Jesus, this is Jesus. All authority has been given to me. Praise God. So authority has been taken back from the enemy and given back to the body of Christ. Nature became our adversary, but what, what did Jesus do about with the adversarial power of nature? Number one, he was born of a virgin. That's not natural. He turned water into wine. He cursed the fig tree and it withered. He rebuked the storm and it became calm. He walked on the water. He healed the sick. He raised the cripple. He opened the eyes of the blind, multiplied fish and bread in the disciples' hands, and he raised the dead. Jesus came and demonstrated that nature no longer has the upper hand when it comes to Jesus because he overcame that. He came and paid the price and brought it back under dominion, and now the church has the commissioning to go forth, multiply, and subdue it. The original commissioning of God has been reactivated in the body of Christ, and we are to multiply and subdue it. Everybody say subdue it. Amen. When we get that vision, we get that understanding, we begin to see that, that's when our cities will begin to change. Amen. Here in Missouri, I think we got, Dave, don't we have like three, three of our main cities are in the top 10 most dangerous cities in the country? All three of them. In Missouri. In the top 10 most dangerous cities in America, per capita, how can that be? Well, I'll tell you how it can be. Because the church forgot that it's our job to subdue it. We're always under attack. Oh, the devil's just attacking me. Well, not unless you're doing something. It ain't the devil. If you've just been doing your own thing and just worrying about your own thing, you haven't been taking territory, it's probably not the devil. 
Some of y'all think I'm just, I'm just rough. Listen, Jesus beat people with a whip in his church, so <laughs> I'm not rough. We forgot that it's our job to go out and subdue it. Churches moved out of the inner city because it got too rough. If we're not going to go into the places where it's happening, where they need help, how are we going to help? I'll guarantee you it's uncomfortable. Amen. It's uncomfortable. I've been in places where, you know, I've, I've went in those places. It was, it's uncomfortable. When you go to the, into the places where, where the devil has dominion over people. But when you walk in there, you now have dominion. They're under the authority of your dominion. Amen. When me and Sister Betty was in Houston and we went down where most of the prostitutes walked the streets and stuff. And we, we was out there walking, handing out bottles of water and, and lipstick and things like that to these prostitutes. And the reason was because it had what looked like a barcode on it, which was actually a phone number that if they wanted to escape, all they had to do is call that number, and they had police officers that worked with them, and they would go in and arrest that person and take them out and then get them to a safe home because you can't do it yourself because they're watching. People in control, they're, they're cruising, they're watching everything that's going on. I got to tell you something. It, it rose up. I, I, I apologize. I repent. But as we was down there ministering these these ladies and handing these things out, I saw these pimps or controllers or whatever it was, they would, they would drive around keeping an eye on us. And I, I didn't say anything because I was, I was in a, out of my element. I let, all the, I let the girls do all the talking. I just carried the water stuff. I just carried stuff for them and then protected them, made sure that there, there wasn't going to be any problems. But I got to tell you something. I, you know, I had to repent for this because when those guys would circle around and sometimes they'd stop and watch us, I'd, I'd stand there and look at them thinking, come on, get out. Get out of the car. I mean, it just, it, it enraged me because these girls were being held captive by somebody and they were in prison and we were down there. We were in the, the midst of it. How are we going to help them if we don't get in the midst of it and, and reach out to them, amen, and be able to pull them up out of the miry clay? There is a purpose for the body of Christ. The kingdom of God is not the beat down little bunch that's hiding in the churches just hoping Jesus comes tonight because everything's going bad. No, we are the kingdom of God. God, that is to multiply and subdue it, to go out, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Amen. Brother Monkey was banned from going into Nigeria for, for almost nine years, I think it was, because it was, it, Nigeria became such a strong Muslim country, and they banned him from coming in and preaching the gospel. But then I believe it was in 1999, somehow he got permission to come back into Nigeria. He didn't go in there and hide. He went in there and put on these huge, and there started being, in every meeting he held after that, there was over a million people 
give their lives to Jesus in every meeting he held. I mean, he went back in and started plundering hell and populating heaven right in the face of a country that banned him and didn't want him in there, but it didn't matter because the gospel is an authority that subdues the kingdom of darkness. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. When we're, when we're afraid, it's because we don't, we don't have our lives sold out to God. I, I know I'm, I'm going long today. I'm, I'm going to stop. Hallelujah. I was amazed when President Obama began to declare this is no longer a Christian nation. I was amazed at how cowardly the, the church became. We hunkered down like, oh, this is the end. This is the end. No, it's not the end. God still had a bunch of people that still knew Jesus, and this was still a Christian nation, and it's more Christian now than it's ever been. You hearing what I'm saying? It's more Christian now than it's ever been. That's right. Amen. There's, there's now worship services going on in the White House. Praise God. I saw a video of that, my goodness. Worship leaders in the White House, and I mean they was having an outright move of God in the White House. Don't, don't count God out. The, the people of God, the kingdom of God is not people that go and hide, but we are called and given authority to subdue and to rise up. Amen. How dare the church in America cower down because somebody doesn't like us. When was that a qualifier? They didn't like Jesus, but it didn't stop him. Amen. I'm scaring some of you. Like, oh, pastor, you can't preach on things. Like, Why not? We are, we are the kingdom of God. We have purpose. Our purpose is not if somebody gives us permission to do it. Our purpose is to subdue to overcome through prayer, to break down the strongholds, to, to move past the obstacles that are put in our way. Amen. We don't just, we don't just cower down. I remember in the mountains of, of Haiti, me and Brother Randy Webb was going up, up into this voodoo stronghold up in the mountains and was gonna, was gonna preach the gospel up there. We're driving up these mountains on, in, a, in a pickup, and there, it's rough roads, and, and we get up there, and it's one of the few places in Haiti that still has trees. There, this, this mountain still has trees on it. And we're driving up in there, and we start seeing the flags hanging in the trees, which meant this is voodoo territory, you know, warning us to stay out. And we just kept driving, and pretty soon they, closed, they come and, and got in front of us across the road telling us that we couldn't come in there and preach the gospel. I looked over at Brother Randy and I said, what are we going to do? He knew Creole. He started hauling at him, at him saying, get out of the way, I'm going to run you over. He started revving the motor up in that truck saying, you better get out of the way. I'm coming. And they was hollering back. Pretty soon Randy threw that thing in gear, floored it, and we went charging right and they jumped out of the road. We went on up in there and sit up and we preached the gospel and started winning souls right there in the middle of that. And, and I, I had to laugh. Brother Randy called me. I, I, I left and flew back home. 
and they went on with the meeting. Brother Randy called me a few nights later. He said, they stoned me. I said, what? He said, they stoned me. I said, they did. And I was, and I was laughing. I said, you mean they threw rocks at you? He said, yes. And he said, they were big rocks. He said, I've got knots and cuts all over me. And I said, sorry. I said, what'd you do? He said, we went, we went on with the meetings. You understand the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God has power, has authority. The kingdom of God invades the territory of the enemy and takes it back. Amen. Oh, stand with me today if you would. I preach to y'all like, like, like I'm preaching at a, some kind of pastor's conference. That's because you're all ministers. You're all ministers of the gospel. We have authority. We have purpose. Everybody say purpose. The church is full of purpose. Amen. Full of purpose. And God wants to fill our lives with that purpose. We can't just cower down. We got to quit picking each other apart over our not what we feel is the fault in somebody else. We got to realize if they've got a fault, we've got a strength, and we just attach to them and we become their strength. We become their strength. The body of Christ is, is knitly fit together, joined together to do something, to do a purpose, to do a work. And I'm going to tell you something. There is a revival taking place in the church in America. And we're going to start seeing some stuff happen. God has been telling, the, the Holy Spirit's been witnessing me that in the year 2020, is what he's been saying. The year 2020 is, is the year of God's laughter. The year of God's laughter. God's going to start laughing. Yeah. You know why he's going to start laughing? Because the heathen is raging and the people's imagine a vain thing and the church, God's going to empower the church and we're going to start moving in and taking territory in spite of it. And every, every, every threat they give, we're going to take that much more of the kingdom of God. We're going to do that much more. The kingdom of God's going to grow that much more. And these cities in Missouri, I'm believing, will no longer be the most dangerous cities in America, but will be touched by the power and glory of Almighty God because the body of Christ is finally in his purpose amen father i thank you today for your word i thank you father for your, the working of your spirit thank you father